Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Hey there, it's Timmy Manor, and welcome to the Spirit of Sport right here on 1170 SEN. Joining me tonight, like he does every week, it's my man, Benny Little. Thank you for having me, Timmy. Oh, it's a pleasure. Yeah. Our special guest this week, guys, let's get straight into this. Oh. He's actually, Benny, like, let's, let's, not, let's be real. Let's be real. We are just, we came after, he's a pioneer in more ways than one. Mm, he started, his, on his he started this radio show. We are standing on his shoulders. <laughs> he was known as the most consistent and damaging front rollers during his playing days for the Cronulla Sharks and the St. George Dragons across his 13-year career. I guess played over 200 games and would also go on to represent his state and country. Also won a World Cup, Benny, just so you know. Post football, though, he's also been a a trailblazer in the media world, highlighted in 2008 when he wrote his own film, Chasing Comets. Uh, Great film, by the way, Ben. Uh, Starring former NRL player Bo Ryan. Tonight, my guest on the Spirit of Sport is rugby league superstar legend Jason Stevens. Steve-O, thanks for joining us. Oh, Timmy, thank thank you so much for the great intro. It was fourteen seasons. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it was right. Yeah, don't oh. score cut me a year, mate. Oh, well, I just you know what? You know, uh, I don't want to throw. I don't want to. I don't want to throw producer Tom under the bus again. But uh, unfortunately, <laughs> Benny, <it's> not. <laughs> uh, well, fourteen years—that's a long time of footy, mate. What time? How old were you when you started? I think I made my debut. With the dragons at nineteen, so yeah. um, it was a bit of a, it was a, it was a you know I, I didn't those first couple of seasons I didn't play a whole heap of uh, first grade but um, you know it was just an opportunity. But Brian Smith gave me while I was at St George to sort of get, give me some experience and and then uh, you know things things moved pretty 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 good in the right direction and end up. And when I was 21, playing a grand final with St. George, so... Crazy, man. It was a... Uh, yeah, it was great. It was great. I'm very thankful to blokes, to coaches like Brian Smith. He had a... You know, those coaches that believe in you. Yeah. Just give you that chance when you when you haven't deserved it. And that was that was me. Yeah. I've also just learned today, just uh, off topic, but you and Benny have uh, have crossed paths before. Is that right? Yes. Yes, yes. I was at the uh, American film market and... I, I sat down at at a table, and I, I started talking to this. This guy just seemed lost. He looked down. He looked, and I, I've always got a heart for people who are. You know, and it ended up being your little friend. Oh. <laughs> yeah. He still looks lost today, mate. <laughs> yeah, you didn't help no, me had, much. You could have given me a few pointers. We had a, we had a really good uh, chat there because I was. Yeah, I was trying to sell my, my film, uh, Chasing Comments Internationally, and so um, oh, it was just good to meet a fellow person in that industry, and he's also a believer of some sort. And um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was, it was cool, great. <laughs> it was cool to see you in your element. Um, you know, wheeling and dealing in the different hotel lobbies and uh, meetings here and there with different buyers. Um, yeah, how did, yeah. How did... We had another friend, Phil Ways, who was there, who's yeah. You know, produced Falling for Figaro and, you know, a few other films and, and stuff yeah. we met. We were introduced through Phil as well. And, yeah, it was just it was just so great. Sorry, what were you going to say, Benny? Yeah, well, how do you how do you find that side of the industry? Just the, the hustle, you know, 
the different networking, meeting with the people, getting your film out there? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's um, you've got to have thick skin. You've got to just, just I, I just sort of just try and knock on every door and, and, and just leave with my best, best intentions. And, you know, it's, it's not for everyone. You know, the, the films you do, there are certain stars agents that are, you know, take on certain types of films and maybe yours doesn't fit in that category. So you've got to get used to a lot of, you know, rejection in a way and, yeah. and the returns, no, no return calls and, and um, being politely asked that to move on from the lobby. You've just got to get used to it. And, uh, but I think it's, you know, like life, isn't it? When you, yeah. you, you, you knock on so many, so many doors until one, one opens and the one that opens, could, could be the one that means everything, but if you don't know until you sounds really like, knock on all those doors. Sounds like you and Beck. <laughs> yes, I knocked on a. a uh, <laughs> <laughs> you had to knock on a few doors. doors to get to the uh, the right door. Yeah, just and a process door, of elimination yeah, that, there. That, and that door said, "Yeah, you'll do." That's what the door said to me, and Mate. I said, "I'll take it." <laughs> Mate, yeah, um, you see, it seems like uh, your your resilience and just your relentless attitude to life um, is a is a big part of of you and your your personality. Where where does that come from? Like, how do you, how do you have that as one of your main characteristics? Well, I think I've seen that um, in my mum, uh, and I said to my mum after I produced my film, I said, you know, you you really you were a producer in our family, you. You you raised pretty much four kids by yourself. Um, one, my sister, who had a very bad car accident when she was seven years old, and you know has had a lot of physical and um, other other injuries, and she really like somehow managed to do two jobs during that time. And wow. and now I mean I've got a, now I've got a, a beautiful young boy, Presley's two and a half years, and me and Becca just. We're just tired beyond. We we're just like at the end of the night. It's like it couldn't come sooner that night. And yeah. when I think back on what my mum did by herself, you know, and I know she leaned in to to God, and she also had a a great father who was still in the picture, my grandfather, and uh, he he helped as well. But I think I, I saw it modelled that you can you can do so much. You know, you can really you, you can do a lot. With it, with your life, and you can fit in things if you, if you just, you know, if you, if there's the will to do it. Mm. Mate, I was going to ask you how you're doing um, in in the lockdown situation, but I think you haven't left you haven't left five k's from your house for the last six years. So, is it changed much for you? Well, you've seen the price of petrol, Tim, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> in the film industry. <laughs> no, how is it? How, how's lockdown been with you guys? Yeah, no, it's been okay. I'll be honest, because as I said, having a little one, um, it doesn't change a whole heap. Yeah. Apart from not being able to see the um, my my mum and and the family and her her my Beck's um, parents, which which we miss, but um, it's pretty. You know, you get the weekends are just park and park and the next park and <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, it's, it's like. Yeah. And then try to put him to bed, and then he sleeps for twenty minutes, and he gets up and he goes park. <laughs> <And it's> like... <laughs> so he's, I don't know about your kids, 
Timmy, but my, my little Presley is not a sleeper. Oh, he, yeah. My kids are going through a bit of a phase. Of them. They are sleepers, but they're going through a phase now where they'll get up a few times in the middle of the night, which it makes me feel oh. for parents that have that little time. So I can only imagine. I know last time I spoke to you a few months ago, he was, he was always been like that. Is he still struggling? He was doing that. He was getting up four o'clock regularly for quite a while. Yeah. And then he got hit with two bouts of croup and then two ear infections. And it was like, oh. cool. It was, uh, testing times, but I'm like, I'm overjoyed with, with the, you know, don't get me wrong, but yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what, mate, it's a, uh, I don't know how I would have handled it when I was playing. I, just, I think I would have, I can see now how a lot of the boys used to come to train and so tired, you know, they used to, yeah. except for gals, because he, he'd get his wife to do everything. <laughs> Still does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, talk about your playing days, though. Like, you know, we, your career is incredible. Like, it's not often you, you go through people's careers and their numbers, and we've got their years wrong. It's 14 years, not 13 years, guys. Um, <laughs> over 200 games, you won a World Cup, you played for Australia, you played at Origin. You, there was a stage there where, in my mind, as a kid coming through, you were you were the, like, the the standout front row in the competition. You know, I remember those, the web keys and the petrosive and receivers, but you seem to have like a, it kind of ticked every box. You know, you had the aggression, then you had the size, but you also had the skill and you had a bit of, um, a bit of flair about you for a front row that not other ones had. Like now you see it all the time in the game, but back then it was a bit rare. So t- what was it like when you look back in your career now? Is there any highlights or things that stand out that you, uh, that you really enjoyed? Mate, thanks. It's very, very kind of you because you mentioned this with some, some great, Great players there. And yes, I was better than them all. So, uh, <laughs> no, uh, no, but, uh, but um, in all honesty, those guys used actually used to bring out the best in me when I played against them because, yeah, because uh, you know their standard was was so high. And uh, but I, I, I um yeah I I think um I don't, I don't know I I you know with the aggression and stuff like that and. I don't know. It's just it, I was always, I always. If anything, I, I, I admired about. Yes, I did admire my, my aggression, and I admired that. That it was important to me to get that, con, you know, that real physical contact. I actually miss it, and um, I think if there was something I could have improved, and there are a fair few things, but my discipline was like not where it should have been. And, oh, I, uh, I don't want to talk about that. it. I don't want to talk about it. But there yeah. was, <laughs> every, for some reason, every time I think of your career, the first image that comes to my head is uh, you stomping on old mate. Was it in England, was it? <laughs> it, was, it was in England. Yeah, yeah. For some was, reason, uh, that's the image I get. Whenever I think of you playing. Debate. There's still debate. There's still debate whether I did actually step on his head, just to let you know. But How, but, how can but there be debate? The camera yeah. angle does not look good. <laughs> 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 yeah, so discipline was uh, something that you struggled with. I really did, yeah, I really did, and uh, I, and you know what? Also, if I could go back, Tim, I would. I really struggled to watch myself, um, you know, like in team meetings or when you did one on ones with your sort of coach. I really struggled to watch my game, but I was very critical of myself. Yeah. And I, I and I, if I had my time over, I'd like to be able to to force myself to spend more time critiquing my game to see how I could improve. But I always used to struggle watching myself because I was I don't know what it, I don't it's hard to explain. But I, you know, I was just very very um, yeah. uh, critical of my my own self. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's not that's probably not the way to attack it. The the way I guess is to say, well, okay, let's have a look and. 
take my emotions out, move them to the side for a bit and just go, how can I actually improve here? Yeah. And, you know, some self-analysis, you know, and... Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's probably one of the things, but but I had so many highlights, and like you said, playing overseas, and yeah. I've got to just tell a quick story, because I was, when I was younger, mm. you know, as I mentioned, my father left when we were young, and we didn't have much money and, and so forth, and my mum bought me at a very young age an Australian jersey. Yeah. And I remember just like I slept in it, I, I took it everywhere with me, and... We used to get up in the middle of the night and watch Australia play England because of the time zone was always, you know, different. And we, my brother and I slept in the same room and we'd watch it and, you know, we'd watch them play at Wembley. And I just remember when I got my first Aussie jersey, you know, that I was playing at Wembley and it was yeah. just like, it was like I guess this moment where that little kid in that room like my mum by buying me that jersey and then you know, she couldn't afford it. She often shopped for her own self mm. at St. Vinny's and stuff like that. Yeah. She bought me that jersey, you know, and so just what she did for me and just, just you know, for me it was like I was there going far out. Like I remember those days watching my heroes, Brett Kenny, Peter Sterling, Eric Gross play for Australia and I thought maybe now some kids up watching me, so it was, yeah. it was a very nice moment. You, you said you didn't want to take that Australian jersey off. Um, you also really enjoyed the uh, Australian <laughs> speedos you got. You got as part of that tour. I know where uh, you're going, <laughs> Benny. Benny, let me tell you a story. We had um, Joseph Paulo's wedding. Okay, so over in Newcastle, uh, good friend of myself and Jason's, and at the wedding, we're at the uh, we're in the bathroom in the urinal, and I noticed. So he pulls his pants down a little bit so he can make a point of showing me he's wearing his Australian kangaroos speedos. So, good. so he's, he was like, oh, sorry, I didn't, I didn't realise I was wearing these. Like, <laughs> 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 and then he goes... Would it, would it surprise you if I said I still have them? Would not, that surprise Not you? at all, because then your next line was, um, I said, how often do you wear that? He goes, I don't know, but I've got 16 of them, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> 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 Um, Steve, I, I, I look back. I look back in your career, and like I'll talk about you on the field and, and what I thought of you on the field. But off the field, you were a real, actual pioneer, like a real trailblazer for the the Christian faith. You know, there was obviously people that were um, you know Christians in the world of sports in Australia, but not many people ever spoke out about it. Not many people were very um, vocal about their faith and. I think that, you know, if you look back in the Australian culture, traditionally, it was more of a thing where, you know, why should I speak about it and, you know, put myself in the spotlight and risk, you know, getting, um, you know, I guess, not vilified, not vilified, but why would I risk, um, you know, the scrutiny that comes with being vocal about my faith? Um, and Steve, when you did it, it was like a, it was just, you crushed so many um, stereotypes, you know, you were, you were doing it in a way where people were really warm to you. They, um, they thought this guy's normal and he's, um, he's living with such great faith. And mm. as a young Christian playing football and, and trying to make it in that world and at an age when I was trying to make tough decisions, like I don't want to have sex before I was married. I don't want to take drugs and, I don't, and all that stuff that, you know, adolescent kids struggle at that age. You made it so much easier for, you know, a, a generation of kids coming through. Um, but it wouldn't have been, you know, as easy for you, um, you know, I guess in the limelight at the time, being the one that was seeing those standards. How did you find coming out and talking about your faith um, during your career? Oh, mate, thanks, Timmy. That's, that's really nice to you. And it was, and it was always, 
um, equally as inspiring seeing when I left the game, seeing blokes like yourself take that whole witness to a whole nother level um, and, and where you really pioneered that next next phase of leadership, you know, and you made a lot of a lot of people look towards God. Um, but I guess when it, when it was, I, you know what, I, I, because I experienced something so real, the first thing I just wanted to do is tell people, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't care who it was, if it was the media, if it was my. I remember the first time ever I met ET. Yeah. <laughs> I'd moved from Saints to the Sharks, and I just I bailed him up in the corner of the gym, and I said, <laughs> "Mate, you've you've got to know God, mate. I'm telling you." You've just got to. <laughs> so, I wasn't incredibly wise in my timing, but but I I just it was so um, it impacted my life so much because I never really had peace. Yeah. And and when I experienced that peace and and this joy too, like it was so it was so real, and it's very hard for for people to understand what we're talking about in a way unless you've experienced it. But when you when you do, and if you'd like to, you can. It's, it's, it's easy just to actually ask God for that peace and to get to know Him. Um, but I, I, I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to do the best I can to tell people because I always thought, oh, if you if you found an unlimited supply of of money and you knew people were were struggling financially, wouldn't you wouldn't you tell them where that wouldn't you tell them? Mm. And uh, yes, yeah, so I just said I had this good news and I just wanted to tell people and. Then of course, like the media, sort of got a hold of it and ran with it, and and uh, and I, I was never, um, you know, I, I was I was always happy, happy to talk about, it, even though like I I enjoyed it to be honest. When people made a a joke too of it, and they because I think we can be very serious as Christians sometimes, you know, and not and not just go with the flow a bit, and and so I was really happy just to to take the ribbing, and every now and then I'd give some back as well, and. So it, it, I think that sort of, in a way, made it more um, digestible for people to know that you know, I had a sense of humour as well about about things. Was there anyone um, ahead of you in the game that you looked up to that was making um, similar de- decisions about being open with your faith and your convictions? There was. There was a couple. There was actually my brother, Paul, who was also playing at the... Paulie. The, the, at, at Saints, yes, and he went on become a minister uh, yeah, out of Camden there and cool. you know he um yeah he actually was the one that he'd he'd always get break into first grade and and then he'd he'd, he'd have a Rico he had three Ricos in his career and what mm-hmm. one one time he had two Ricos and he just left to, for Europe to get away from stuff and and he rang me from Europe saying that he really had found God and that he was going to he was actually said, "I'm going to save myself for marriage," and I said, "You just paid all this money to go to Europe. <laughs> I said, Can't you save yourself on, on, the, way, on the way back?" I said, Make it, start, start then. Start then. So, <laughs> so good. But he was just so sincere in his change, and at the same time, uh, Brad Mackay, who's a a great player for the Dragons, and oh yeah. You know, and I, you know, we were at the same junior clubs. He, he was a bit older than me, but you know, he was taking me to a Bible study, and his his witness was very, very strong as a as a guy that had fun, but great player. 
but then he had this faith, you know, which he, which he, you know, it really just gave him peace. And that was, as I said, that was something that was really missing from my from my life. I don't really know where else, yeah, to find that peace. To be honest with you, did you find many other players? So there was a couple at your time though. Were people that you were playing with or against? Were there many other Christians in the game at the time that would uh, communicate with you and let you know that they were in the same boat? Maybe not as publicly. Well, um, was there? Um, uh, there, were, there were some people on the yes, Paul Franze. Oh yeah, yeah. Who, when I was at the Sharks, yeah. he was a very strong, strong Christian. And also, yeah. I roomed in '97 with Brad Thorne, and little did I know that his brother was a, 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 a kind of like a missionary smuggling Bibles into China. Oh wow! And we spoke. We spoke a lot about about God and, and after that he made a decision to actually commit himself to the love of God and he's powered on you know, he's been a very strong strong Christian and he used to get heckled all the time by Alan Langer and at training Alan Langer used to sing Kumbaya to him in front of everyone and, <laughs> but he was just like this big monster of a man who just like you know, he was just like, Oh mate, I didn't I didn't mind, I didn't mind <laughs> But um yeah, so there was, there was only there's a lot of people asking questions. I've got to say, yeah, there's a lot of people asking questions, but I can't really remember if there were too many that were were um, at the same time as me in my earlier walk yeah. as a footballer. Well, I remember you getting a lot of flack about um, you coming out talking about your celibacy, and yeah, you, you have a laugh about it, which would always make it you know um, people warm to it because you were you weren't being like you're bashing people with the Bible. You're being just vocal about your decisions. You end up writing a book though, worth the wait. How? What made you write that book, and what was the um, the feedback like after it? Um, oh, because I, I was doing a lot of speaking at youth groups, and yep. I was getting so many opportunities, and it was like quite overwhelming. It sort of got a bit overwhelming at one stage, and so I said, I thought, I thought, well, if I can write a book, at least you can, you know, re- replicate, you know, those those speeches in a way, and let, let people know why, and and um, you know, I. I it took quite a while to pull it all together, but it was a great experience because I self-published as well, and it, and it did so really well in in the end. But um, I, I I got a lot of great feedback uh, from it, you know, and I didn't realise at that time that uh, I was going to be waiting as long as I did um, because I I probably you know sometimes when on this journey with God He doesn't really tell you how long things are going to take because we probably wouldn't we probably would bail a lot earlier but um so it took it took a while to to sort of uh find and become the right person you know yeah. to find my wife but 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 um i'm glad i did and it, it really has been you know amazing to find someone that you can talk to and and pray to with and Who's on that same page values wise? It and makes all the difference. You're not on the same page looks wise though. You're you're punching roll overs, mate. No, no, <laughs> I'm I'm uh, I'm like uh, yourself, and we are we're both. Uh... Oh, I, I don't know. I think I'm par. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason you're on the radio, mate. I got a good head for it. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. Good call. Good call, mate. You played at such a high level for you know um, so long, thirteen years. Um, what was some of your secrets to your longevity, staying at that standard for for so long? Um, I think I think um, 
I was doing the uh, doing the extras. To be honest, with, doing yeah. the we used to have Wednesdays off, um, and every Wednesday I would go with my my uh, one of the trainers and run to Boat Harbour and back. Um, and I just liked knowing that I was doing something else when everyone else was having their day off. Yeah. And um, so I always tried to to um, do that little bit extra. Mm. And I guess um, I guess honestly, I, I would I would say that you know I had a really good mentor in in my uh, he was my coach from young. He's a former player, Harry Eden, and um, he Harry um, just helped me so much in my career and was in my year a fair bit and and really spoke a lot of great words over me yeah. and um he used to say like you know you could play this you could do this and just knowing that he he played in that real rough and tumble era mm. with the dragons in the bob mccarthy era and um and knowing that you know he was such a real respected hard man and he thought i could it gave me a lot of confidence too and uh so that was that was a that was amazing to have him uh, by my side. Yeah, wow. I love what you said about uh, training your days off because it's it's funny thing about some athletes like they think. And I used to be the same. I used to run on Christmas Day, just thinking that yeah. I know everyone's resting today, so it made me feel like I was getting a bit of a head start yes. or a bit of an advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Mate, what? I'll, I'll yeah. jump in. What do you think it did for you psychologically doing those extras on those extra days? What do you? Yeah, I'm interested in that. I think I think because when I used to get before the game, I used to like you know you iron everyone off like when you're about to get kick off and that, and you just used to know in yourself you used to go I've done I've done more yeah. than them you know what I mean and that's that was the sort of thing that um, gave me gave me a bit of bit of confidence and a bit of like oh, like I could do this you know and I can I can get it over the top of them because um, yeah so I th- I think psychologically that's what it, it sort of it sort of did for me, and um, yeah. you know I, I've really got to say my my faith as well played a played a, a huge role in it because um, I just this 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 um, being able to entrust your career to 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 God, knowing that He's in control of it, yeah. is there's a nice there's a nice piece about that even though things don't always go the way you want. But mm, yeah. There's a nice piece to knowing that someone else is in control of of it. And that might sound very strange to people who are listening who, who have never maybe released their life to God. But I think it's one of the greatest um, things you can do is actually release to someone who knows better than you. And Amen. and then you can trust him in the ups and the downs. Because the Bible says that, you know, he's going to work everything for good. Yeah. For, for those that love him, and so that that was always that was always something that really um, kept me on track. Yeah. Steve, are you talking about challenges and trusting in God? And um, yeah, you went through a pretty a pretty traumatic um, experience with your own family as well with your sister. Um, how how did you find your faith getting tested during that time? Did you have faith at that time? I I, I um you know I was very young. I was eight and. Um, my brother was nine, and my other younger sister, um, Angela, was six, and Vanessa was seven. So we were really young, and uh, I think for my mum, it it, um, it 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 deepened her faith um, in God. She started going to a Pentecostal church um, after that, um, and so that so 
you know, like, but when you're so young, you're not really digesting the impact of really what's happened. Do you know what I mean? I just yeah, re- yeah. remember a lot of, um, you know, on the weekends, I would always go sit, I'd go sit by my sister's side on, on, because she was unconscious for quite some, in a coma for quite a long time. Yeah. So I'd sit on, sit by her side on a, on a, on the weekends and, I remember my mum used to say, don't, don't, you know, go play, go and, I don't know, I just wanted to sit, sit, sit by side with my grandfather. We were there a lot together. Yeah. And, um, so I, I, like, you know, like, I remember my mum said to me, we talked about it and she said, you know, she said something really great about why, like, a lot of people get angry at God when stuff, bad stuff happens and Tim, you've had more than your fair share of adversities with that. Um, but she said, why are you going to run from the only one that can really help you? Yeah, And awesome. I was like, such, yeah. a, such a great nugget, you know, of like, why yeah. are you going to run from the only one that can help you? And I thought, it's so it's so true. I do understand people getting really up, upset and angry with God, and he can handle that. And we, we sometimes we just don't know. We won't know this side of, you know, the eternity, the, you know, we won't know until we get there why why he allowed some things. But, but... For me, understanding Christianity means understanding that, you know, how can someone go to the cross and be beaten beyond recognition and, and um, you know, do that for, for me who didn't deserve it and yet not want the very best for me? And that would be very inconsistent for for Christ to have done that and then you not view him as who he really is, which is an which is an amazing father and a loving loving God who who sacrificed his very life yeah. for us. And so it seems inconsistent that you know if we were to say, oh, but something bad has happened to me, and I don't, oh, you know, and I don't, you don't believe in God, and I, you know, and you're allowed to feel that way. Don't get me wrong, and there's a lot of horrible things that happen, but you need to know that he's 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 there with you in the trenches. He's he didn't immune himself from pain, you know. He yeah. he went through the greatest of pain. Amen. That's awesome, man. Um, yeah, you've always been. So you've. I know your brother's a minister, but I feel like you've always had that pastoral uh, role that you've played over your not only your career, but even with people around you. Um, Post football, so I remember you did some work with the NRL, and when I was a, I was at a, a, a NYC youth camp. It was a, a rookie camp, That's right. and we met there That's and. Right. You actually helped him enroll me in a uh, a night course, a TV presenting course, which was looking back now was you know, some great wisdom because you helped me with my um, public speaking and handling cameras and media. But little did I know at the time that you were about to embark on a future in um in the media world yourself. And can you tell us all a bit about how you made the transition from rugby league to the film industry? Because it's such a fascinating uh, transition. Oh, thank, yeah, thanks, Timmy. Yeah, I, I um, I still remember the day I met you and your brother, and I remember, I because I remember someone who knew you goes, you go watch out for the Manor Boys, you go watch out for the Manor Boys, and um, um, but yeah, I remember um, I, I, you know, it was it was, because cause when I was playing, I got a lot of opportunities um with the footy show. I was on contract with them for a number of years, and also there was a show back in the day with Tony Squires called The Fat which was like chewing the fat about sport and stuff. And um, I actually got all those opportunities, believe it or not, when I wrote my book and 
started to to go on to those shows and then they said oh you know like we'd love to have you back and and it's funny how when you when you're true to you know your own self and your own beliefs and your own calling that that opens up doors and so then the the fire was lit for media and um you know i i yeah i was pretty stoked because for, for i was doing bits and pieces for the footage show for a long time but then for the final two years i was on a contract with them and i got to do a lot of interviews with like the rock and you know um, oh, yeah, yeah. um heath ledger and all this other stuff it was so so great or nicole kidman and stuff like that um and then the kind of it all shut tim to be honest with you the whole yeah opportunities shut for me once I retired and I went through actually a pretty hard period because um, I was on my very last footy show Peter Sterling said to me he said you're about to go through a very hard period and I was thinking what is he talking about like I'm I'm about to retire I've got they're about to extend my contract at the footy show where I'm going to get paid well to entertain and do stuff like that I just didn't know what he was it didn't it didn't register and Literally, I know that the executive producer of the footy show um, got moved on, who really liked me, and they brought in another person from Melbourne, who, and they said, that's it. We're just going to do it all about rugby league, and there's no more entertainment uh, reporting. And I was just like, oh, I've got no job. Oh, I've wow. actually got no yeah. job when I finished. Yeah. And I went into a really big... And I felt the lessons that God was sending me very strongly during that whole time was about my identity yeah. and about that I had really relied on football and a lot of these other perks to form a big part of my identity. And what, what I mean by that for those people listening is that who haven't switched off yet. Your sense of self comes from uh, places that, that, um, uh, that they they possibly shouldn't be be coming from. So yeah. you're getting your sense of worth from your people knowing you as a footballer, and and or you're doing stuff on TV, and you get all your value from that. And that's a very um, fragile place to be because if that's removed, and that's where you're getting your value from, then then uh, you're on shaky ground. And I actually found that even though I was a Christian, I've got to say, and I and I love I did love God, and you know. Uh, that was me to a T. I had my identity in, in all the wrong places. And there was a real shake-up in my life, which took me a number of years to to go through to learn the lesson um, that you're valuable, not because of what you do. It's not who you are. Awesome. And I was like, yeah. and it was, there wasn't much teaching at the time, even in churches about this stuff, Timmy, I'll be honest. Yeah. There wasn't. Um, but I came across some some, some stuff fortunately and um there's one one guy who was speaking about this issue i was going why haven't i ever heard this before about identity like i hadn't like i hadn't heard about it like like and and anyhow it was just at the right time but it, yeah it took me quite a quite a bit of unraveling and so a lot of the the entertainment stuff in a way was was put on hold and it was then that i started to screen write and try and learn how to write and then also um I did some NIDA courses as as an actor and so forth, just trying to understand how to how because if you if you can put your shoes in the act in the shoes of an actor, you can sort of write hopefully more efficiently and yeah. from understanding their point of view. So so I I did a lot sort of a fair bit in that space, but um, out of the public eye, I've got to say, but it was it was it was a good thing because sometimes you have to be 
out of the thing that that you were relying on so you can become stronger as a person, you know. And But it's a very painful lesson, I've got to say. And I, I meet a lot of people now, particularly because we're in an unusual position, Timmy. Like, we, we retire at 32, 32, or whatever it is, and um, sometimes younger. And we say retire from, from this big, big thing in our life. But I was speaking to a, a businessman the other week. He was 65. He retired and... I was saying, oh, are you enjoying it? And he was saying, he goes, no, no, I'm not. I'm really struggling because I don't know what to do with myself. And I was, I remember thinking, oh gosh, I can remember that that really feeling. And we were able to talk. And so, so a lot of people experience this identity thing a bit later in life. But I guess in our industry, sometimes you can you can go through it a bit earlier. I don't know if you've experienced that or any of your friends who have yeah. retired. Have, I don't know if they've experienced that, but um, yeah, it's a. It's not a it's not a great thing to go through, but it it is a good thing to go through. Yeah, I, I don't think people realise um, how much you know majority of athletes struggle post their career. You know, it's it's always easy to talk about them. You know, when they're playing and life's great, and then everyone thinks post football, everyone ends up like uh, Joey Johns and Freddie on the on the footy show or commentating, and then that's yeah. it. Um, but you know, the reality is, there's, yeah. a, there's a the majority, the huge percentage of guys who. Some of them now, I know it's probably a bit different in terms of wage when you were playing, but some of them now are going from half a million dollars a year to literally overnight getting paid 55, 60K a year to work at a factory at 5 a.m. Um, compared to a lifestyle when they were, you know, training a few yeah. days a week yeah. and getting paid to say yeah. fit. Lunch. Lunches, coffees for three hours. Out. Yeah, yeah. So oh, it's a, mate, mate. And it's all you know because you come out of a school and that's all you know. Like that's the only lifestyle you know. So they go from that to um, – I think the reality check, you know, hits a lot of guys really hard. And, um, and you know, the, I think the biggest thing is the camaraderie as well. You're surrounded by guys who are so used yes. to ribbing each other and just a culture of, um, you know, teasing each other and, and having fun. And all of a sudden you got, you get plucked out of that and then you look around and you're like, well, who are the guys that, um, that I can do that with? But then you don't realize that you had that. Like I look back now and I was pretty lucky. Like I was consistent with my friends. Um, from the church I grew up with and they throughout my whole career were always the same whether I was playing Origin or getting wooden spoons they were always the, my mates um, and looking back now yeah, when, I, when I retired yeah when yeah. I retired it helped so much having that real friendship still there because then it reminded me that it doesn't matter what I'm doing in my life I'm not I'm not an NRL player I'm Timmy Manor the human being um, yeah um, yeah did you have a that's, a that's, network that's or very network? rare I've got to say because um I, found, I had a very different experience with friends and um, I, I, I had to learn a, some some pretty hard lessons about what a real friend is and because I had a lot of people drop off. Do you know what I mean? Which yeah, I yeah. thought were friends. Yeah. And, um, and uh, you know, like uh, I, I, I was talking to someone about this today. It's, it's, it's great we're talking about it because um, sometimes, you know, it's easy to get friends when you're on the up and all that, but, um, mm. you know, like when you, when you're maybe at a, at a point where you're not as popular and all that, I think there's a lot of people that will, will sort of show their true colors, but, but then also, but then also like if things go well, and I don't know if you could relate to this, you guys, but if things go well, it's also very rare to find friends that are happy for you as well. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of people that I thought, they were there, even though they were there during the hard times, they were there. But yeah. then when you have success, they actually start, <laughs> um, it gets funky. It gets yeah. like, 
oh wow, I didn't see, I didn't see this. I didn't see this part of you that you're actually generally not not happy for 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 me. And uh, it's it, it's that's a you know it's a well, the Bible talks a lot about like being cautious in friendship. I probably haven't learnt that lesson as well as I should have, but I but I I'm, I'm sort of like a yeah, I'll help you. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll do the. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think I need to sort of exercise a bit more uh, caution there because it's it's uh, it's so important to just some have some close friends that you can be real with. Well, you're a, you're, a, you're the best. You're the best networker in the world. Like you look at the amount of friendships and um, people you meet and how immediately they feel warm to you and how quickly they um, you know, become your friend. It, it's just. Yeah, I think people know you for being that guy who um, just knows everybody. But yeah, I can imagine that along the way you would have come across a lot of people who um, you know, probably were not genuine friends and probably would have used you when they needed it. Yeah, and and and, and Timmy, that's I think it's all part of the journey of becoming who you, who you are and growing. It is. It's something that I don't look back and despise. I, I look back and I go, oh, okay, well. There were lessons that I needed to learn about friendship and even being a, a better friend. And um, but like it's it's once again it can be quite um, <laughs> quite a uh, pain, painful uh, experience to go through through that. Um, and I think that's where like because because you, a lot of the times you know if you feel you feel rejected and you and you feel used, well you you can only really look to when you look to God and you look to to really what he went through and the rejection he received from his closest friends, yeah, yeah. it's very comforting to know that. And, and see, that's the thing to me, because a lot of people think with Christianity, they think, oh, you know, it's an easy to crutch and it's this and that. But really, it's, 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 a, it's actually the furthest thing from that. You know, it's a, it takes real sort of guts to... To believe, yeah. and then yeah. also to go through this this sometimes very humbling journey, very humbling journey of of becoming, you know, more more of who God wanted you to be. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's a journey, yeah. Hey? It's such a journey, yeah. mate. Um, your 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 next steps now. So you end up. I don't want to rush past this because of time, but let's. I think it's important to bring it up. Your movie, Chasing Comets, mate. Can you explain to us um, the feeling? Like it's. Oh, look, if I, I did during last lockdown, I did a puzzle. I remember thinking at the end of the puzzle, looking at it, feeling so satisfied. I go, look at that. I did that. I made that. How did you feel uh, at the end of Chasing Comets? Like, it's a huge achievement to get all the moving pieces together as a producer. Um, what was that like? Oh, mate, yeah, it was, um, it was, it was a, a really a rewarding sort of experience. I, um, I kind of... I, I, it was only, I think, after it that I sat back. And I think I still got that issue, if I'm honest, about um, being a bit hard on, my, on myself and critical because I kind of looked at everything that maybe I could have done better. And, I, you know, like, I, I, um, you know, and, and sometimes I had to fight those feelings to go, no, just be proud of yourself and enjoy what you, what you, what you did. Hmm. Um, because it was, I, I'd never produced before. I, I'd been in, in and around film and, and did a fair bit of TV, but it is a very different, very different beast film. Like you're doing, you're doing cast contracts, you're doing crew hiring, you're, you, you, you're doing, you're just, it's just a different, different playing field. So I was, 
I tried to get um, someone to come on board and actually help me, but unfortunately there wasn't a, the sort of most people who have got experience in that realm. Uh, they, they, um, you know, they, 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 it wasn't worth their sort of time budget wise, but it was good because it was a baptism by fire. But one guy I did lean on was a, a, as I said, a lovely guy, Phil Wade, who, who you guys know really well. And he, he was real mentor to me and still is, I've got to say in this and, and, would ring it up, you know, and get his advice on what do I do? The the after the after that I I'm signed, he wants to he doesn't want to come on this certain day, but we've booked we've booked this whole thing planned on this certain day, <laughs> and that's that's what was happening. That was really what was happening. Like we've travelled to Wagga, and you know, like uh, what what we I'd arranged this this massive uh, sort of event. And then one of the key actors in it was like, oh, I can't really make that day. And I'm like, but what do you mean? <laughs> tra- there's, six, there's 60 people traveling to Wagga. So <laughs> and this is, this is like while you're filming and everything's going on and this is happening. It's just like, I tell you what, mate, it's not for the faint hearted. It's oh. like it, footy was good preparation. It was very good preparation. Oh, that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> what about what about next? Like, I know you're always working on something in, in the industry. What's uh, what's the next steps look like for you? What's what can we expect from uh, Steve coming up, or is it under wraps? Well, actually, I mean, I was supposed to um, this month film my next film, and um, so so I'm actually stepping up to direct um, this one as well as oh. Cool. Yeah, so it's going to be a good experience uh, to, to to do that. Um, but yeah, just with COVID, I'm just because I've got some actors from Melbourne and uh, and stuff, and it's uh, it's just all a bit tricky. But there's a fair few other projects that I've got that I'm pushing along while we get this one uh, ready as as well. But um, yeah, it's a good it's it's a hopefully it's a nice family sort of teen um, dramedy. Um, but with a nice sporting element because it's about a, a Greek girl called Sula. Who, hello there. You know, she's a, a plus. Yeah, hello there. She's a, she's plus size and she's on the bigger side of uh, uh, you know things. And but she her dream is to cheerleader. And um, but her dad wants her to take over the Savlaki store. So, um, <laughs> yes. it's, it's, um, no. It's, it's a bit like uh, big fat Greek meeting meets uh, bring it on the cheerleading yeah. one. So. Oh, wow. uh, it's a nice, it's got a nice, uh, it's a nice story. And, uh, but I've got like, actually Kim, I've got like, and, and Benny, I've got like 10, 10 scripts. So that are, that are, um, it's kind of like, I've been really working hard on all these years. Cause it's been 16, it's been 16 years since I retired. So I've been really working hard on, on, on getting these sort of projects and, and, uh, you know, it's kind of a, a delayed gratification thing where you just go, you know what? I know going to be worth it in the end but um yeah i'm looking forward to actually getting momentum and really getting a lot of these projects out there so if anyone's got like a fair few million dollars um (laughs) 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 if they they didn't switch off after three seconds i'm sure they're um, gonna throw it at us yeah just Uh, just call in any uh big financial benefactors out there (laughs) (laughs) drop a few milli Oh, good directing, Jason that, Steven Spielberg's. Is, oh, oh, mate, that is one of the hardest things about producing, asking, knocking on the door for money. It's mm. like, oh my gosh, it's like it's a it's a daunting thing. Mm. I hate asking people for money. I really do. I hate yeah. seeing if they're open. And yeah, I've actually had people in the area. 
sort of walk on the opposite side of the street once they've seen me because it's like he's going to ask me. Even <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, so let me, the day uh, they crossed the road to get my autograph, <laughs> and now it's all changed. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me know. I'm going to lobster. What does 20 bucks get me? 20 bucks, mate. That'll get you a ticket. Yeah. It comes out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll invest. Uh, Steve, oh, mate, we're, we're we're so grateful for your time. Like we said, we, we're kind of honoured that we um you know got to inherit this show from you. You obviously you know you interview you interviewed some of the incredible stars in the in the sporting world, um, but more than that, I'm personally um you know forever grateful for the example that you gave to you know a generation of us guys coming through in terms of being vocal about our faith and being encouraged, um, and also just seeing you thrive and and do what you're doing with yourself now, mate. Honestly, it's um it's a true honour to call you a friend and. Um, oh, yeah. likewise. Uh, likewise. Thank you so much for your time, mate. Thank, I appreciate mate, it. Mate, thank you. And th- look, thank you so much to me. Like, um, honestly, man, I've appreciated you so much over the, over the years. And and um, as as I've moved out of the um, the sporting sort of realm and being able to share my faith, I'd always I'd like to use your, your yours and your brother's example. And um, and I, yeah, so I, I really um, like watched, watched very proudly. You, you take everything to the next level, and and uh, yeah, and thanks, Benny, too, mate. It was uh, we, we we I really enjoyed our time when we connected uh, overseas. So hopefully, yeah. once once COVID's over, yeah, let's do I a do trip. Believe I, I do believe I shouted the margarita. So, uh, <laughs> I doubt that's true. But, uh, he says he likes him with umbrellas in it. Yeah, he likes umbrellas in his margaritas. <laughs> yeah, let's do it, mate. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only. Oh, legend. Thanks again, Steve. Appreciate it, bro. Love you.